Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the sound of my own voice. Quentin Seltzer's voice, that is. <laughs> Yeehaw! You know, nothing makes me happy like the sound of my voice. That may sound narcissistic, but come on, could anyone as cool as me be a narcissist? <laughs> yes, sir. I talk, and I get happy. Speaking of happiness, that's the subject of my new book, Too Stressed to be Depressed. <laughs> Boy, am I an expert on happiness. <laughs> it's like, I'm so happy and cheerful all the time. I just want to explode into a billion little pieces of garbage and then not exist anymore. Ah! Okay, folks, let me tell you. Too stressed to be depressed, which is also my life motto, by the way, along with uh, you are special and cool. Special and cool. Everybody loves you and also likes you. They really do. That's a good reason to be happy. Come on, be happy. <laughs> That's my other life motto. It's also an awesome back tattoo that I totally wasn't drunk when I got. So anyway, uh, Too Stressed to be Depressed is a book about dealing with depression. And I mean dealing with it as in laying down the new deal. (laughs) The new depression deal. As in the no depression deal. And speaking of deals, buy my book. Yeah, because like all of my books, it's a real deal. Almost a steal deal. (laughs) It's so awesome. I'm so awesome. I'm so happy. You're now listening to The Sound of Sanity. This sound will continue for the duration of the program. Hi, everybody. Welcome to The Sound of Sanity. My name is Nathan. I'm your humble and obedient host. Right there, it's Ben. Hey, Nathan. He's your associate producer and a panelist, a contributor, one of the guys. One of the guys. On Sound of Sanity. Mm-hmm. And he's going to introduce the other guy. The other guy is Pastor Jacob Mensel, pastor who's a master of sanity. Hey. Hi, Jacob. How you guys doing? Pretty okay, Nathan. You're not depressed, are you? <laughs> well, I could use a little more sleep or coffee, maybe, but it's just a little passing thing. You know, it's fine. Guys, let's get to the topic of our episode today, which is, in fact, coffee. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) Should Christians drink coffee? It's a Uh, drug. (laughs) Sound of sanity scraping the bottom of the barrel? (laughs) We actually broken through the barrel? (laughs) No. We are have not scraped the bottom of the barrel. We're just plucking a topic off the top of the barrel. That barrel is full, folks. <laughs> sure this metaphor it. is amazing. <laughs> plucking a top topic off a chicken. Yep. The barrel is full of topic chickens. <laughs> and we took one out. <laughs> uh, put it on a t-shirt. Yep. Charge people lots of money. The, the barrel, barrel is full of topic chickens. chickens. And we took one out. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Well, folks. The topic today is, as you know, because you've read the title of the episode, most likely, maybe this just appeared in your podcast feed. Preempting season, seasonal depression. <laughs> it's like Jake wants to get to it. Pre- I, pre- I preempted you. Oh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> you preempted the seasonal depression of Nathan not getting to the point. Okay. Seasonal depression. Guys, you yeah. familiar with this seasonal depression that people have? You ever get depressed around wintertime? Ah, uh, my old friend. Very familiar with seasonal Depression. Yeah, you might even say, ah, oh, my old friend, when seasonal depression shows its shaggy head. <laughs> That's what I was doing, I think. I was. <laughs> oh, I thought you were calling me your old friend. It's disappointing to find that that's uh, no, not the Nathan, case. Jake doesn't have friends. Jake has depression. 
of the seasonal variety? That's right. Mmm. Nailed it. <laughs> All right, we're talking about seasonal depression. Are you, do you guys, would you consider yourselves to be seasonally depressed? Like, do you get depressed? Like, can you predict it yeah. in wintertime? Yeah, it's not as bad as it used to be, but yeah. But I think a large part of why it's not as bad as it used to be is... You preempt it? I work on preempting it, yep. man. See it coming. Yep. Try to see it coming. Yeah, that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about the things that you can do if you get depressed. Because is it wintertime right now, guys? Nope. Mm, hold on. No, it's not. I checked. I, you know, I've often, I've been depressed a number of times in my life. But I don't know that every winter I regularly get depressed again. I don't don't know that that happens to me. I think there's always a chunk of winter that it happens. It's usually not, because a lot of people say February. It'll be late for me. It'll be like almost going into spring because around Indiana at least it gets really muddy and rainy and just blah mm-hmm. and that blah is actually I think worse than the February blah because the February blah might have like some snow and some it might, it might but it's also I mean baseball practices start in February for a reason it's because the blah has already started so you get the tail end of the cold bleakness plus plenty of blah I'm arguing February is it's the month the month of depression? Maybe it doesn't, you know, maybe it just wears you down by March, and then in March, you're finally, because it's still blah in March. Yeah, well, also, people have different cooking times, and um, a lot of times I'll be depressed, and I won't even know it, and my wife will have to tell me, or something like that. Mm. So it could be that I spend all of February depressed, and then March is when it somehow comes to some sort of horrible, bloody crisis, and I claw myself out of it. Or God saves me from it would be a more accurate way to put it. And then I think of March as being the depressing time, but it could be that February is actually the low key depressing time. Anyway, we've all struggled with these kinds of things in our lives. You can listen to our Sanity Mach 1 episode, I think just called Depression. Very early episode, maybe our second episode. I think it was our second episode. And you can hear us tell the stories of the times in our lives when we've been depressed, clinically depressed, some of us, maybe all of us, I don't remember. And the various things we've done to deal with it and the advice that we would have. But in this case, we're actually going to talk about preempting depression. And we are going to give five ways or five handles for you to think about as you prepare yourself to... Well, you're not really preparing yourself to be depressed. Are you preparing no, yourself to be depressed doing? or are you heading it off at the past or what are you doing exactly? Yeah, you're heading it off at the past. You're saying, hey, there are seasons in life where I'm especially vulnerable to being depressed. I can see them coming. One of them happens to be just, you know, winter, you know, or February or whatever. Christmas time because of holidays. <laughs> Merry Christmas. But all of those things are coming up. People get depressed for various reasons, whether it's the holidays and family drama and stuff like that, if it's just the cold and being inside and not getting enough sun. And and those things do then tend to snowball off of each other and just sort of, you know, January, your credit card debt from Christmas comes mm-hmm. through and you're like, oh, I spent too much and I don't have money for this and it's cold and I'm not getting outside and I can't do anything and I'm getting fat because I'm inactive and I ate too much and yeah, all those things... They can just snowball. Part of what you want to do is see the snowball coming and stop it or slow it down. Maybe a side point worth making, and this is sort of obvious, I guess, but it seems, it seems to me that a lot of maturity and wisdom as you grow older is just basic pattern recognition. Right. Like, oh, this happens to me 
every year. I should do something. Oh, when I drive past this restaurant, I am tempted to get a burrito and I get fatter. Oh, <laughs> when I walk by this stretch of road, there's ladies there and I have lustful thoughts. Like when I walk by this store in the mall, mm-hmm. when I pull out my computer after such and such time or when I'm in the basement and I turn on cable TV, it's funny. I start getting ideas. Right. Yeah, exactly. Well, and, and the thing is, that does sound so obvious, and yet in our lives, in the moment, it's not obvious. You you actually do, all of us, we have things that we do over and over and over and over again without ever recognizing. Well, you, you're like a fish that doesn't know it's in water, right? Yeah. It's just where you are. It's just what you do. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, kinda... a lot of Christ- I think a lot of Christian maturity and godliness is simply just that. What you said, it's pat- pattern recognition and being able to take the baby steps necessary to break evil patterns in our lives, mm-hmm. or patterns that lead to sinful consequences, sinful actions, or patterns that lead to sinful, difficult states of mind. I mean, you could really cast all of wisdom as pattern recognition, right? Like the book of Proverbs is like, I've observed that all the children I've met they're, they're, they're right. foolish. There's a pattern. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. And another pattern I've noticed is that... If you, you discipline them... It, it goes away. <laughs> <laughs> I've noticed that uh, the adulterous woman, she has a certain way of interacting with men. That young men, very vulnerable. Yeah. Very eager. This sort of thing just keeps happening. <laughs> I think young men should be told about these patterns in themselves and in these adulterous women and to- warned against them. Well, and a lot of foolishness is then, eh, there's no pattern. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Eh, you know, foolishness isn't bound up in my child, because it's mine. I've noticed a pattern that uh, foolish people don't like to be rebuked and listen to wise people. Shut up! (laughs) 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 That's not a pattern. (laughs) I mean, honestly, it's it's just like, well, well, you know... King Solomon, I guess he observed that adulterous women behave this way, but this woman in my life that happens to fit that category... She's different. She's different. Also, Solomon then said that young men are like being drug around by these women and are happy to be fooled by them. But that's not true of me. Right. (laughs) (laughs) I got discernment. Okay, so anyhow, what we're talking about is pattern recognition. And so you get into these states of depression that come and things snowball or whatever. And then, you know, you become depressed. Being depressed in and of itself isn't necessarily sinful, but it can lead to sinful thoughts. It can lead to sinful actions Mm -hmm. and to a despair that is ungodly. Well, so maybe- It doesn't have hope and isn't trusting in God. This isn't one of our five steps, but maybe a preemptive step that everyone should take listening to this episode is- whether you have what they call seasonal affective disorder, whether you're depressed that winter or not, just take a moment and ask yourself the question, maybe you never have, when do I get depressed? Are there regular times? Are there times that I feel bad? Are there periods of... Are there there triggers? Are there triggers? I mean, depending on who you are and which you'll find that, okay, there are certain triggers or there are certain contributing factors or there are certain things that when they all come together, you know, it can be something at work that happens. It could be any number of things that have to do with relationships with people. That's why I brought the holidays into it, interacting with mm-hmm. difficult family members, uh, times of the year, all of those things are, are things that you can weigh, factor in. Yeah. And when you start actually thinking about it, you'll be able to start to answer questions, both shallow, like when do I always get depressed and deep, like why do I always get to, dep- like you might observe about yourself 
if someone gives me a gift, that always makes me sad. And then, you know, you'll think about how your daddy never gave you gifts or something like that. But the first step is to actually observe, huh, I feel bad when somebody does this nice thing for me. Yeah. That's weird. That's weird. What is that? It's That's too... not normal. Once again, if is you Is can... that normal? Even just asking the question, is this normal to feel bad when somebody does a nice thing for me? That doesn't feel like it should be normal. Right. So what's going on there? What's going on? Obviously, there's a horrible narcissistic way to do that, but there's also a way to just step back and take account of yourself. Change your outer world, change your inner world in six easy steps. Step one is obvious. Vitamin D. Yeah, baby, get that sunshine. Then get on the vitamin D supplement train and start burning up the tracks. First day, 1,000 IU. Second day, 2,000 IU. Third day, 4,000 IU. And so on and so forth. Worried about nausea and vomiting from so-called vitamin D toxicity? Hey, don't be. I mean, do you want to not be vomiting all the time, or do you want to be happy? Am I right? You'll be vomiting two things, and the first one is happiness. The second one is vomit, but the first one is happiness. Guys, let's talk through it. Let's say that the, you know the average listener already kind of knows, okay, this is a time when I'm going to get depressed, or this, this is a time when I want to head off depression. We're going to give you five ways to think about doing that. And number one, take care of your body. There are a lot of just very simple physiological realities that can play into depression. And one of the main reasons why uh, people tend to get more depressed in the wintertime is because they're less active and they're outside less. And guess what? Exer- and, and they're not eating as well. Diet and exercise and sunshine, vitamin D, are all really important factors into just how you feel physically. And how, how, how we're not just bodies, we're not just souls. We're bodies and souls that are linked together. And so how we feel physically, you know, it really plays into how we feel emotionally and spiritually. And it, it all gets mixed up together and can bring us down. And so one of the very first things that we want to do is just, hey, cover the, the basics. God gave us a body. We need to take care of that body and make sure that we're eating right. We're getting enough sleep. We're getting exercise and having some activity. We're getting out in the sun or taking a vitamin D supplement, whatever it is. But hey, we're just actually taking care of ourselves because a lot of depression can be cured. I, I remember when I was training for ministry, I was reading a book uh, called Lectures to My Students by Charles Spurgeon. And he has a chapter called The Minister's Fainting Fits. Yep. And he's talking about all the ways and times when pastors are inclined to be depressed. And the very first thing that he says, and at the time it blew my mind because I just was expecting all this spiritual stuff. But he said, open a window, go for a walk. Sometimes all you need is a little sun and fresh air. And not you need to not get bound up and over-spiritualize it and think it's something more than it is. Just start with the basics. Open up a window, get some fresh air, go for a walk. That was like, oh, I don't have to over-spiritualize all this stuff. There's just simple realities that play into it too. That was really important for me. I'm a spiritual creature and Christ died for me and the Holy Spirit is in me and I should have the joy of the Lord. And the fact that I ate a bad breakfast really shouldn't make that much of a difference to me. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Because who's stronger, the spirit of the flesh, you know, <laughs> the Holy Spirit of your breakfast. And I'm not trying to be profane, but I mean, these are the kind of insecurities we have. Like, oh no, what if the Holy Spirit's not in me? Because otherwise, how could a single breakfast undo the joy of the Lord? 
<laughs> that's about the pitch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, that's just silly. That's a silly way of thinking. Actually, it feels spiritual, but it's a spiritually shallow way of thinking. Mm. A more spiritual way of thinking is to recognize that we have bodies that are sensitive to things, like bad breakfasts, being cooped up inside. A spiritual man recognizes that and doesn't try to make something out of nothing. He lets spiritual things be spiritual and physical things be physical, and he takes care of both sides of the equation as best as he's able. And so a spiritual response to eating a bad breakfast is not, oh no, what if God doesn't love me? It's, oh, I ate something, now I feel terrible. That's affecting my mood, I need so I need to fight that. Maybe I just have to let it pass, you know, because this is gonna take time to physically recover from this bad breakfast. But also, I can step outside myself and say, I know why I feel this way. I had a bad breakfast this morning. Nothing else is actually wrong here. Yeah, I mean, I... Don't eat that again. (laughs) Don't stop at Burger King an hour before you go and record a podcast. Is it really bad Because then you might start to feel depressed and grumpy and like nothing's working. And like you don't want to be a team player. It's possible. I mean, I've I've never been like that. I've never done anything like that. Yeah. I've noticed that you never have. (laughs) I haven't done it today. (laughs) Definitely I mean, not. the other thing that's kind of implicit in my lame devil advocate question there is, uh, I don't know, people have really lame ideas or really shallow ideas of what the joy of the Lord means. Yeah. Like, yeah. Jesus wept is a pretty famous verse of the Bible. And then, there, you know, you're not going to accuse Jesus of not having the joy of the Lord in I, that moment. I would think that if anyone had the joy of the Lord, it was him. And uh, you, you read the Psalms and it's like, my bones are in agony. Darkness is my closest friend. It's like, yeah. there's a place for sadness in the Christian life. Duh. Just being sad or just eating a bad breakfast does not mean that you don't have the joy of the Lord. Yeah, yeah, you're unspiritual. You don't have the joy of the Lord. Let's be a little bit more nuanced in our understanding of the joy of the Lord. Well, let's just summarize real quick. As you go into these periods, you need to just be careful to do the things that you need to do. You need to get seven to eight hours of sleep if you can. You need to be sure that the time of sleep is quality. So, you know, whatever you eat, you know, that can disrupt your sleep or whatever you drink that can disrupt your sleep. Stay away from it. You know, no late caffeine or not too much alcohol. You need to eat well get some exercise of some kind you get out in the sun or take a vitamin d supplement all those things matter and our baby steps that you can do and you can be thinking ahead about before it you know snowballs and gets out of control what if you think it's a good idea instead of getting enough sleep to stay up a little later because you're starting to feel depressed and you're like just want to stay up and be anxious and eat some more snacks that's probably a bad idea crud and bad devil's advocacy, really. <laughs> <laughs> well, I only said it because I've done it. <laughs> yeah, no, I do that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> it's dumb. <laughs> well, let's talk about number two, which is take care of your soul. Hmm. Just like you need to do the very basic things with taking care of your body, be sure you're eating right and your diet's on point, and, which isn't to say you can't have fun things, just... You know, be sure you're getting all the nutrients you need to survive and to thrive. Diet, exercise, sleep. With the same is true of our soul. We need to be feeding our soul. Man doesn't live by bread alone. So are you reading God's word? Are you actively involved in your church life and community? Are you praying? Do you have a good and healthy prayer life? I know there are always seasons in our lives where we're ready to start reading our Bibles again because 
things have fallen off. We really need to get our prayer life, whatever it is, you know, really need to get back to that Bible study that, you know, life got in the way. So that's going to come in what that'll come after Christmas when you're feeling bad about yourself and you're like, crap, I should make a New Year's resolution. So here's an idea. Let's get ahead of the curve. Things are picking up. School's starting. Fall sports are starting with your kids, all of this sort of thing. You're going to start running different places during the week and you need to prioritize your spiritual health and the spiritual health of your family. So you need to have your dinners and your devotions and uh, spend time praying and feeding on God's word. Be sure that you're making it to church and that you're involved in the discipleship ministries of your church and you're being sure your soul is fed. Well, so much of this stuff sounds obvious, but man, I'm sure we've all done it. I know I've done it. I'm really depressed. Whatever can be the matter. And it's like, I haven't read my Bible and prayed for a week. This is like, oh, I'm really hungry. Whatever can be the matter. Did you you eat anything? Exactly. Like, (laughs) (laughs) oh, I feel really lonely. Did you see anybody? Or (laughs) did you leave your house? (laughs) Did you just stay home watching The Sopranos? But I have, I'm sufficient in myself, Nathan. I know (laughs) that I am and something is wrong. Uh, You can just (laughs) produce your own food. I always, my reaction is, I've gained five pounds, so I guess it's time to stop exercising. You know, (laughs) I mean, I do that constantly in my life. I haven't been reading my Bible. So I guess I I'd better not, not even try. Better not even try. That's just always my Eeyore <laughs> yep. reaction. Yep. Uh, you know, I, I don't usually articulate it quite as dumbly, but I just, I act on it, you know? Well, sometimes I feel like, oh, I haven't read my Bible in five days. Well, if I go back now, I'm just going to be an obvious hypocrite. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like I've tried to be self-righteous by when I obviously don't care, so I'll just give up. <laughs> <laughs> I think these past five days have exposed the reality of my heart. Yeah. I'm not a Christian, and I shouldn't (laughs) pretend to be. I actually don't want to read the Bible, so I guess I shouldn't. (laughs) so stupid. (laughs) But uh, yeah, I mean, I do that all the time, honestly. What happens then is I get to the end of the period of dryness. God has mercy on me. He pulls me out of it, and then I'm like, boy, I wish I'd been reading my Bible the whole time. Or I finally do start exercising again, and... It's like, boy, I wish I hadn't sacrificed the last month to yeah. depression and not exercising. I mean, we all go through those periods. It's mm, very normal, yeah. with yeah. especially with things like Bible reading. It's like you are going to have times where you read your Bible and it feels like God is far away. That is just part of the Christian life. And if you don't read your Bible when God is far away, A, you might find that he's far away for longer. B, there's, there's things in the Bible that you actually absorb when you're depressed that you won't absorb when you're happy. And if you don't read them, then you'll miss your opportunity. One of the sweetest things in Scripture is to come to it bare and dry and cold, meet face to face with somebody else who felt the same way, mm-hmm. and see God's faithfulness to them. Realize that the Bible is for all of life and not just the happy times. Mm-hmm. And not just the desperate times, but also the blah times. The days that become a blur that you don't remember is for those days too. It's sweet to look back and realize that you were being nourished even when you didn't feel like it. Yeah. Like yeah. you did absorb some of that stuff actually, even when it just felt like death and didn't feel like it was doing anything. Yeah. It came back. God used it both in ways that you'll never understand and also in really obvious ways. Like, oh yeah, I just remembered that Bible verse that I read when it felt like nothing mattered. 
And it's not like the Bible verse seemed like it meant anything then, but it's at the top of my brain now when I need it. I mean, it is very similar to, well, this is the day where I've gained five pounds and so I'm going to keep exercising. And then at a certain point, I'll be able to look at myself and say, oh, I'm strong. I sure am glad I exercised on the days where I felt like crap and not just on the days where I felt good. Yeah, those are the days where it really counts. Right. Mm -hmm. Step two, exercise. All kinds of exercise. You know the drill, or you will, after you take a look at my awesome new book. My muscles are sore every day. In fact, I can barely stand, and I usually can't hold a glass of water without spilling it all because I work out. And this makes me, let's all say it together, happy. I definitely don't feel like life has no point. <laughs> Push-ups are only making it worse. Nuh-uh, <laughs> not old Quentin. He's learned the secret and now you can too. Step three, eat food. Yeah, baby, yeah. Donuts, donuts make me happy. And that's the point, to be fit and happy. That's right, folks. When I feel like my donut has a hole in it and I'm falling deep into the hole, <laughs> I'm never coming out again. And I don't even want to come out again because there's no point. I just eat another donut. Every day, sometimes on the hour, just the trick every time. You know, donuts are like happiness juice, except they're not juice. (laughs) All right, step four, have friends. You should get some. You know, one of the best ways to get some friends I found, it's to be happy and fit, smile a lot, bring donuts to people, talk about cool things that people like. I talk about my books, for example. (laughs) Obvious choice, you'll have to find your own things to talk about. Sometimes I tell people how awesome it is just to be talking to them because it makes me forget for a second that I don't want to be talking to anyone. I just want to be alone in my room crying. (laughs) Too many friends. (laughs) Can't keep up with them all. Friends, 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 friends everywhere. If there was a TV show about my life, you know what it would be called? Everywhere. Number three, take care of relationships. Ooh, again, sounds pretty obvious, but what do we mean by that? Um, a lot of depression is a function of loneliness and the, or just unhealthy relationships. And so, and that, those are the kinds of things that can really spiral on you. I am not actively seeking out intimacy with my friends and companions. Therefore, I feel lonely. And the more lonely I feel, the more isolated I feel and the less likely I am to go. And it just sort of spirals Mm -hmm. on you. Or I'm going into the season of being around toxic family members that are going to cause me problems. I know one great thing to do is to take out all of my anxiety and anger and angst on my wife who loves me and is here for me and is the one person that I know can offer me the support and encouragement that I need in each of these situations. I don't know why I'm depressed and I'm not talking to anybody. I'm not even aware that I'm depressed. Well, if you were just doing your job and taking care of the people that you love and being sure that you're cultivating intimacy with them in every way that's appropriate, you know, a lot of these things would it hugs go a long way. Mm-hmm. The sad and lonely seasons. Hugs, hugs go a long matter. Way. And talking about something goes a long way. I mean, just I know opening it up. I know this is obvious, but like just saying, I feel sad. Right. And then the person doesn't have to come back with a Bible verse. They don't have to come back with a great insight. They just say, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. And that can really help. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, me and my wife are always doing the classic man, man, woman thing where she'll come with, you know, oh, I'm sad. And I'll say, well, let's fix it here. Let's fix it there. And she'll be like, actually, I 
I really just I just want a hug. I just want a hug. But then it'll, tell me it'll be okay. But then I I'll do the the other thing that I assume is classic. It certainly feels classic. Marriage like where I just won't tell her because it's like well she can't really fix it. So I I, I guess I won't tell her that I'm horribly depressed because it's really you know it's not her problem. She's definitely not there to bear your burdens. Right. She's not like it's not like she's any kind of a helpmate or anything like that. Yeah. So she's probably not suitable to be my helper. So yeah, I'll figure it out myself. Yeah. You know, I wouldn't want to burn her. I wouldn't want her to feel bad about the fact that I'm mopey and angry all the time, which is silly. Yeah. And and to come back to that other thing that I said, really when you are going into the stressful relational situations, that's when you need to be most attentive to being sure that you're on the same page with your wife and you're mm-hmm. on the same team. And then you are aware of yourself when you're tempted to just take out, you know, you, you feel like you can't say to your mom or your Aunt Betty or to whoever it is, all the things that she really needs to hear, all the frustrations you really want to vent. So you turn around and you lay into the person that you know is not going anywhere, right? It's unfair, it's unkind, and it's unhelpful. And so being aware of temptations to do that sort of thing, I think it's a very common thing for people to want to do. And telling yourself you're not going to do that, You're going to go in as a team. You're going to remind yourself that, hey, we have each other. We even talk about it beforehand. Those things are important and they go a long way. I'm being a little all over the map here, but so does just being sure that you're physically affectionate with one another. You know, being sure that you're giving each other hugs and kisses every day and everything that goes along with that. And also with your kids, you know, especially as you want to preempt some things in your kids, small picture and big picture, be sure that you're they're getting good hugs and kisses every day and, and touches from you. Those things matter and go a long way and can insulate your kids against a whole lot of problems that mm. they face. Well, and I don't want everybody out there to be robots, but I think if any of this seems overwhelming, especially the more emotional stuff, you'd be surprised how far you can get by just gamifying it, by yep. just saying, we're going to have five minutes of together time every day, and it starts at 4.55 you know, we are. I am going to you ask my wife one question about how she's doing, and she is going to ask me one question every day. It's going to be at seven twenty-two, and at eight o'clock, our show comes on, so we'll be done. Yeah, you know, just uh, things like that. Giving yourself permission because it can seem really simple, but then also when you try and do it, really overwhelming to try and bring emotional wholeness to your life. And it's like, no, just just figure out. You know, have a little fun with it. You yeah, know? even make fun of it. Like, yeah. I love to make sure I get, I don't do this every day, but as often as I think about it, I try to make sure I get a seven second kiss and I make fun of it, but it's just like, I'm going to hold it there. You know, (laughs) I'm counting to seven and my seven is a slow seven, whatever it is. Right. Like, but Hey, this is like, we need to look in each other's eyes. Mm. We need to be close. A lot of this stuff just boils down to not letting your feelings rule you. And these are just ways to do that. Like if you don't want your feelings of depression or other feelings to rule you you have to do things that don't feel like they're going to work or matter things that are too small to work or matter right because that's what wise people do and 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 not letting your feelings rule you doesn't mean stuffing your feelings down it just means organizing them it just means like well okay we need some emotional time now we need to talk about this i mean one thing that we do all the time in my marriage is like well we don't have time to talk about this big thing now but instead of just letting it go we're gonna like write it down and put it on the schedule when we know we have time 
we're going to sit down and talk about this. And, you know, sometimes that's a way of deflecting and avoiding. And I'm not going to pretend like it's always perfect. We're sinners. But it's nice to just bring order to this stuff and to assert the right to just bring order to these kinds of things. Step number five, sleep. (laughs) Sleep all the time. Yeah, really. So much happier than being awake. Step six, spiritual things. Gotta be spiritual all the time. Can't neglect that, right? I'm thinking about like guilt, good, bad, eternity, literally all the time. I literally cannot stop. It's the unlimited mental fries in my Red Robin life. Anyway, after you've completed all the steps, then what? Relax. Yeah, baby, relax. Because the stress of doing all that work to be happy has given you all the happiness you need. You are now too stressed to be depressed. Yes, siree. No room for depression here. Nope. Just breathing in the happiness. Swimming in the happiness until I feel like I can't breathe anymore. And I'm so happy I don't even know the meaning of the word happy anymore. Like I'm having a mental breakdown kind of experience where I literally like transcend what happiness used to be. Like when my mom took me out for ice cream. (laughs) That was so long ago. And I'm so far past that now. I can't even remember what that was like. But I'm 51% sure I didn't make it up. And I just know that this happiness is different. It's way, way, way better. It's like happiness without happiness, man. Hey, maybe that should have been the title of this book, but it's not. So in summary, give me money. Or just, hey, come and take the book for free. I don't care. (laughs) Money, it's nothing to me. I don't care about anything. I'm too happy. I just, I'm too, (laughs) I'm too happy. (laughs) Excuse me, human person. Yes, uh, how can I help you? Wow, if the simplest explanation is the correct explanation, then you must be a pile of garbage from Home Depot brought to life by a wizard. My empathy senses picked up a strong feeling of depression, and I thought my help might be required. Empathy, (laughs) yeah, my mom had a lot of empathy. That's why when I messed some little things up as a kid, she'd stop mentioning it within the space of a couple years. (laughs) We seltzers are known for our empathy, but, uh, hey, I've got the opposite of depression, so buzz off. Negative, human person. You are severely depressed. What? Nuh-uh. Would a person who had been holed up in his basement for three and a half weeks writing a self-published book be depressed? You need psychiatric help, bleep bloop. You know, I was just sitting here talking to myself when a sentient robot walked in and interrupted me. (laughs) And you think that means I need psychiatric help? You are severely depressed, no matter what you may claim. No. Yes. No. Yes. No. No. Yes. Oh, oh, okay, okay. I I admit I'm having some low-grade depression that I haven't been able to beat yet, but it's only because I'm embedded in a system where people don't like me and my life is totally meaningless and terrible. It's just low-grade depression like Michelle Obama. Thank you for admitting that you are depressed like Michelle Obama. Let the healing begin. Hey, you're ripping off Goodwill Hunting. Plus, is that an electric cattle prod coming out of your chassis? Do not worry. I will use my patented electrosomatic therapy to immobilize you while I call a psychiatrist. You need professional help. Get away from me, you crazy robot. Heal. 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 Ah! So, that brings us to number four, which on our whiteboard is just, is just written... With an exclamation point, sin! Yeah, it's, people may have been waiting for this or wondering why we mm. didn't deal with it when we were talking about taking care of your soul. But we wanted to give it its own place. The reality is, 
A lot of our depression is also bound up with our guilt over sin and not actually dealing with it in a way that's healthy and repenting of sin. So one of the things that we just have to do and always ask ourselves, and this is a good, I mean, this is a kind of diagnostic question that I would ask anybody that came to me, probably the very first thing I'd ask if they came to me and said, I'm really depressed. Well, you looking at porn? Is there sin in your life that you're not dealing with or confessing? Well, yeah, but okay, (laughs) stop right there. No, yeah, okay, but let's deal with that because the man who's not right with the Lord, and it's not that you have to be perfect. It's not that you, we all don't stumble in many ways, but the man who's not dealing with his sin, really dealing with it and trying to live in a way that's upright and walking with the Lord, is always going to be in some kind of funk, unless he just doesn't care and he's that hardened. Yeah, that's right. In which case, he's not going to come to you and say, hey, I'm depressed. Yeah. Not about that. Probably not listening to this episode, right? Probably not. So he may be going to the gym and taking lots of vitamin D and, you know, telling himself he's super happy. Well, that is one reason, by the way, that you can take, you can have a little hope and encouragement when you get depressed. A lot of times it means that you are functioning correctly. I mean, it's like, oh, you are still capable of feeling pain or you are capable of feeling pain. That's a good thing. You are capable of having an alarm go off that says something's wrong emotionally, physically, or spiritually. Be thankful for that. People that are totally given over to their sin actually don't have that anymore or don't have the awareness of it. Yep. Yep. True. So... Be sure that you're dealing with the sin that's in your life with faith, by faith, and you're by the Spirit putting to death the deeds of the flesh, saying no to yourself, saying no to your lust, saying no to your sensuality, saying no to the things that so easily entangle and ensnare you. And be sure that you're defining what is sinful as being sinful. It's very possible if you're depressed, Jake asks you, are you sinning? You might say no, but it might just be because you haven't let yourself think, I feel lustful when I watch Game of Thrones or ah, I'm looking at that woman the wrong way or ah, I'm interacting with this woman in a ungodly way at work every day. Yeah, uh, it's easy to come up with sex related examples because we do this all the time with sex, but it could be ah, I'm eating too much because I'm a glutton actually or ah, yeah. I drink too much every day because I'm a drunkard or ah, you know, yeah. there's all kinds of things. Well, that brings us, so number one, take care of your body. Number two, take care of your soul. Number three, take care of your relationships. Number four, take care of your sin. Number five, get help. Get help. And a couple of things about this. One, and we said at the top of the show, you know, Nathan was talking about sometimes he's depressed. He doesn't even know that he's depressed. His wife has to tell him that he's depressed. There are different times in ways in which we all need help. We all need help dealing with things. We all have things that we're blind to in our own lives. We all need that somebody to say, hey, why don't you just try fresh air and a walk? Hey, actually, I think that what you're going through is a little deeper than than fresh air and a walk and reading your Bible every day. I think you need to see a doctor and get a different kind of help. Hey, I think that there are some spiritual things going on in your life or in your past that you're dealing with or relational things. And you really should go talk to your pastor or an elder in your church. It works itself out in terms of relationships, right? And that's part of why we were saying earlier, even just go and be actively involved in your church community, because there are people there that care for you, that can see things and that love you and that are going to speak into your life and help you. And so, but the the temptation of everybody who's depressed is to isolate always and to not seek help. And so you have to be 
taking care of your relationships, in relationship with people, taking care of your soul, and then willing to ask for help when you just don't know what's wrong, when you need somebody to talk things out with, or somebody to pray with you, or somebody to give you counsel, or a doctor to say, hey, there are some physical realities here, um, physiological realities here that we can help with. And it's not that there aren't spiritual roots and causes or things going on or other things going on, but there are ways that we can help and mitigate things for you that will help you address those other issues. Yep. And I don't think we on side of sanity would be against people talking to their doctor or talking to a doctor or talking to a counselor. Oh, there's a time for all that stuff. There's a time for taking all that medication. Stuff. Yeah. We live in a culture where it's everybody just wants to med you up and there are very simple solutions and spiritual solutions for a lot of problems that a lot of people deal with. Mm-hmm. But there are times when it's appropriate to see a doctor and get a little bit of help. Well, and by the way, that's a good reason to, as we go into this season, especially take care of the basics, because if you take care of the basics and then that doesn't work, that's a good sign. You may need to start. And that's where you start going up the line, the line of help, right? And you start with a Christian brother or sister that's close to you and you move up to your elders and pastors and let them be part of the team that's telling you, Hey, actually, you need to go see, I think you should see a doctor. Maybe you should be on, on some medication. I think that would be helpful to you. But you're going to have trouble being able to make those decisions on, on your own in a way that's wise. Because when you're in the hole, in the pit, it's hard to see your way out of it. I think we have all learned an important lesson today. Some depression is not temporary or circumstantial. It is more deep-seated on the level of brain chemistry and may need to be treated by a professional psychiatrist. Even if the cause for the neurochemical dysfunction is actually deep spiritual and emotional needs, antidepressants may still be an important part of the healing process. It is important not to be simplistic when we evaluate depression. We have also learned that it is good to have a robot friend watching out for you so that he can put you to sleep with electrical shocks whenever he thinks that is necessary. Bleep bloop. Hello, Mr. Psychiatrist. I have another patient for you. Ready for pickup from the First Church of Sanityville? Yes, thank you. My usual fee will be fine. Goodbye. Uh, What's going on? I had a dream that a crazy robot gave me old-school psychiatric care with electroshock therapy. Heal, heal, heal. Ah! Sound of Sanity, produced by me, executive produced by Jake and me, associate produced by Ben. Be sure to support us at patreon.com forward slash sound of sanity. You can get additional little shows there called sanity bites where we talk about issues in culture pop culture and just other things that we like to talk about you also get other fun stuff at patreon help your favorite podcast us in case you were wondering which one that was all right until next time stay safe